The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Start the seven o'clock hour here on the show. Jason Ross, Christopher Lodno, Carmichael, Dave. Uh, he's back on Monday. Kelly Brothers later this hour. Sports business. Sam Amick, Sean Cunningham, Bill Shoning, all to join us before ten o'clock. Styles and Watkins will be in as we will have uh, celebrity birthdays. A little crosstalk with them to wrap up the show. Uh, the number to start this seven o'clock hour is fourteen, and the number attached to that is fourteen million, because I could give you fourteen million guesses. As to what Chris Verlaud told me during the break as what he's... Uh, I, I hope you en- enjoy the game tonight. It's King Spurs because they will be here again on March 7th. And if I gave somebody 14 million guesses as to what Chris was doing on March 7th, why he will not be able to see the King Spurs. Yeah, but like if you gave a list of different things happening that night, I'm well, pretty sure that would be like the first guess. The first? Yes. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, of Well, I mean... Because you you can be talking about any kind of movie, anything. Yeah, that's true. So I would guess all the things. So Chris, no, because like this just pops off the page. Well, it'd be so <laughs> random. I'd be like, well, you couldn't make that up. You must be going to this. So what are you doing on March seventh? It's uh, called a Edgar Allan Poe speakeasy. Okay, please explain. So apparently, uh, it's people performing different poems from Edgar or Edgar Allan Poe's. Edgar Allan Poe stories, and they make like craft cocktails to go along with well, that each, part. You'll like each story. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, it will be a night you'll remember. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I would have never guessed. <laughs> would have never guessed. Good for you. That's why I kind of paused as you I was did. telling you. You're, You're like, like well, well, what are you doing? And I go, wow, you suddenly don't want to tell me. And I was like, no, it's not. Like I don't want to tell you. But then you just said, I'm like, I would have never guessed that. Where's that, by the way? Uh, it's a speakeasy, so I can't tell you. It will be in Midtown. Okay. <laughs> um, Kings are in action tonight, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, we heard a little bit of uh, reaction from the players and coach uh, in our last segment. We've got some more here for you as the Kings um, are working on some things here, the last 28, right? The standings watch is going to happen every night. We're going to do that on the show. We'll keep you up to date on kind of what's going on with the Kings. Obviously, win as many games as possible. That's goal number one. Get yourself refined and tightened up as best as possible so that when you if you get to the playoffs you're ready and you can handle whatever is presented to you because it does become a different entity it's way more physical uh you don't really have to worry about uh minutes because i mean there's nice breaks in the first round you get time off between games but the intensity is so um it's ratcheted up big time and then you're just locked in on one opponent and you are finding the coaching detail in the postseason on film study on angles that each team can have to benefit them is so amazing because I mean you guys saw it last year and there's a reminder every year but now once you lived it and I said this story last year I remember this so well game one Kings Warriors 
and it was maybe possession one or possession two, and it's a play that you see all the time in the Kings game where Sabonis would get the ball at the top of the key, just turn, hand it off to Herter coming off the screen, and usually Herter's got a gap, he's open, can shoot or dribble, drive, create, but that's kind of an opening set in a half-court look for the Sacramento Kings. So they're playing game one of the playoffs, and Sabonis is already pushed off his spot. So now he's outside the arc by, I believe it was Looney or uh, Draymond, but I think it was Looney. And whoever was chasing Herder, it might have been when Wiggins didn't start game one. I I think it was um, Clay Thompson. But the physical nature of what Looney did pushed Sabonis off his normal spot. Sabonis does the dribble handoff and tries to set the screen. But Thompson basically blasts through Sabonis to get to the screen. And by the time Herder's got the ball, he's got Thompson right on him. And Herder's now like seven feet, eight feet beyond the arc. Already, like what the Kings do do out of normalcy on the beginning of a game, or just in any game, it's just it was interrupted. And you're like, all right, this is here we go. It's just and and all the plays might have been called fouls in the regular season, just any part of that. The physical nature that Looney showed, that Thompson showed, but you're like, this is the playoffs. So I guess it's different. And then the Kings kind of adjusted and figured out, okay, they can grab and hold and push a little bit more. And everything the Warriors did was to minimize Sabonis's effectiveness. And then the Kings had to work themselves around and figure out ways to win. And obviously they won three games, lost four, and ultimately lost the series. But everything they're trying to do now is get them as sharpened up and ready for whatever version of the postseason they have. So let's hear a little bit about that. And uh, let's first hear from Harrison Barnes, kind of a little compare and contrast what's gone on this year compared to last year. I mean, everything's different, right? I mean, last year, um, I think we were one of the healthiest teams in the league. I think we... Our starting lineup played, I think, more minutes than any other starting five, you know, out there, right? So I think for us, you know, every year is going to be different, but just continuing to lock in our identity, you know, trusting that shots are going to fall, trusting that, you know, we're going to take care of the basketball and, you know, continue to move um, and rely on the the ball movement to create shots as opposed to just individual guys, I think would be just fine. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's so much talk about the Kings areas of weakness. So we've talked about free throw shooting yesterday with what Coach Brown said improving the defense overall, but certainly the defense defending the perimeter. I still think the offense can be sharpened up. I really do. I think they've been good. Uh, last year they were special. Now the rest of the league, though, is it's kind of this revolution of offense and scoring where the Kings' all-time great offense a year ago is already, what, 10th, I think, this year. There would be that many teams that have passed what they've done last year. But the Kings, I still think, can, can be sharper. They live around 30 assists, which is great. If they get to 50% shooting, hit their threes – they are tough to beat, but you, that's where you want to have some defense, too, if you don't have those kind of nights where you can count on some a few other things. Uh, so what is needed? How do they get there? Let's hear more from Harrison Barnes on kind of chasing that elusive consistency. I don't sound like a broken record, but I think it just comes down to consistency. You know, I think we've shown in moments and small stretches of the season uh, who we want to be, who we can be, and I think it's just a matter of, of replicating that. I don't think we have to necessarily go out and reinvent the wheel or do anything crazy different. Uh, it's just a matter of can we get that performance night in, night out whether we're playing a top team in the league, a team that's you know out of the playoffs, a team that has their starters, a team that doesn't. You know, I think that's our challenge moving forward is can we put forward the same effort every single day. And one of those games that falls into that is tonight. A top team or a bottom team? They're playing a bottom team. Now they can't look at it that way. They know they're going against a special individual in Victor Webinyama. But the Kings have lost to some of the bottom teams. Portland, 
Detroit, Charlotte. They can't let another one of those slip away based on knowing who's playing each other tonight, knowing that some teams in the West are going to lose. We're going to get a lot of these Western Conference matchups each night, so obviously someone's winning, someone's losing. Kings have one of those against the Spurs. You don't want to be the team that, you know, at the end of the year, we already can name too many games right now. We go, man, if that, if those, the three I just mentioned, if they beat the Pistons, if they beat the Hornets, and they beat the Blazers, and there's other games they could have won, but if we say those three, winnable games, on paper, bad teams that they lost to, let's give them three more wins, that puts them to 34, three losses away, that puts them at 20, 34 and 20. Right now they'd be in fifth place with a little bit of a cushion, a game and a half ahead of Phoenix and right on the heels of the Denver Nuggets. We would be thinking a little bit differently of the Sacramento Kings on those three games. That's it. And we know there's more. The Bucks game could have gone their way. The Suns game that they blew the big lead. There's more. But it didn't work that way. And so now those have happened. You can't take them back. You can't worry about that. You've got to now make sure it doesn't happen again. And tonight's an opportunity to get yourself started in the right direction, pointed in the right direction, and keep it going with what really is going to be a difficult schedule ahead. All right, so now how are they working on it? What are they doing to get better at these things that Coach Brown addressed yesterday with free throw shooting, improved three-point defense? Here he addresses some of those tweaks. If something's not working, you may have to change it up. You know, and like our, our you know, we haven't shot the ball well from the free throw line. So we're shooting more free throws in practice than we ever have. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, defensively, we're not good defending the three-point line. So we've changed some uh, some technique on our closeouts. And those are needed, you know, in my opinion. And so if something's needed, you make an adjustment. And you also don't just wait till the all-star break to make an adjustment. You, you make an adjustment when you feel like you need to make one. And so uh, coming out of the break, we've made some tweaks. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, if you can have some form of consistency, then then that's probably the best for everybody involved. Yeah, I think the free throw shooting is the one that a lot of people are going to keep their eye on too because that, I said it yesterday, these guys have shot probably a million or more free throws in their life. They know how to do it. They know the shot. It's open. It's uncontested. It's a routine. It's a rhythm. It's a mental thing. And it's one of those things that really is a fine line. Do you put so much emphasis on it that it becomes even more mental where there's concern? Like we practice and practice and practice and practice. And does that just make you more comfortable? Maybe there's logic to that. Um, or does it, you know, become, oh, man, I missed one. And then now it becomes, is that in your head? And I think you, you just try to avoid that. You try to get it as as comfortable and routine-oriented as possible. And guys like Fox and Sabonis are going to get there a decent amount. If Monk gets there, you want him to knock him down. Whoever goes there, you want. I mean, if this team could be closer to the high 70s, low 80s on a night-to-night basis from the foul line, it will help them. Free throws have hurt them this season, and you just don't want that to be an area where you're last and you and you lose games because of it. And we know every point is precious in the postseason, and you just can't be concerned about an area like that uh, come late regular season and postseason time. Still to come more on this, we also will talk about where the Kings fall in line as potential playoff contenders and how they were ignored on a certain list. We'll discuss that. Sam Amick to join us, Sports Business with Kelly Brothers. But when we come back, three questions, three answers, all brought to you by our friends at Firewings right here on Sacktown Sports. 
Three questions, three answers. It's three for madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one. All right, we're brought to you by our friends at Fire Wings. 21 delicious flavors of wings. Fire Wings. Just wing it. All right, Chris, what do you have for us in three for madness? Dan Marino named his Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks and didn't include himself. How do you feel about athletes that include themselves on the list compared to those that don't? I know. I'm curious your answer on this, too, because it's like if you were to ask Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, the greatest players in the world in basketball, and he says himself, like, I don't I don't feel really weird about that at all. No, because they use him. He's the standard. Yeah. Oh, he's like the Michael. Tiger Woods is the Michael Jordan of golfing. Yeah. But like the other day, Jason Tatum said he's the best basketball player in the world. And I want the person, I want De'Aaron Fox to believe that. I want Tatum, I mean, if I cared about the Celtics, I would want him to say, think that and believe that. I don't think he is. But it's okay for him to think it. But then when he says it, I don't know why I feel differently about that. It's almost like, you know, if Tiger Woods says he's the best golfer of all time, cool. Michael Jordan says, great. Now, Dan Marino is one of the greats, I think. And he's asked for four. Mount Rushmore, he actually listed five on his list, but didn't put himself. So I think it does depend on the person that says it. Yeah. And I think it depends on, I think it's like, would you have a problem if LeBron said that? No. No, I wouldn't. Would you have a problem if Giannis said it? Um, that he's the greatest basketball player ever? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't think he is. So you need to be elite, elite, elite for yeah. you to be. But here's a trick like, okay, let's do this one. He hasn't done it. But if Patrick Mahomes, yeah, I'm the greatest football player of all time. It's like, ooh. I think he's going there. I, I, want, I mean, like if his career ended or, I mean, he, he could play eight more years and, and not have another Super Bowl. He's done enough to be a legend. But you kind of want – I want p- people either to be like know it for 100% certainty or at least he, – he would be a tricky one because I still feel like he's got so much career left. Well, the thing too with LeBron, I think he plays both sides. Yeah. Which, like before is like, oh, do you want like a – A farewell a, tour. A farewell tour yeah. or do you just want to go? Uh, I'm 50-50. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because he's also said that – and now, again, now I'm picking apart people. He's like, I'm not really a fan of people, you know, heaping praise on me. And I'm like – are you not like you've got that, chosen one tattooed on you <laughs> yeah exactly so i i don't know like marino i i guess i have no issue with that but it, it's the guys that what if he's like oh, i don't have any rings so how can i be the best <laughs> oh man then it'd be like dan we're trying to avoid the ring culture argument and now you're feeding right into it yeah i i, I don't know it would it would take i guess where i get it you know get cringy is if someone i don't believe is and then they say it i appreciate their confidence but when they say it, like, again, my example is Tatum. I think he's fantastic. But for him to say right now he thinks he's the best player in the world, I don't. And he might win the MVP. That doesn't mean he's still the best player in the world. Wouldn't that make him the best player in the world? For this year? Yeah. What if he were the MVP and the finals MVP this season? I mean, he had an incredible season. But I would say this way. If we put all the NBA players out there and you're picking, are you picking Tatum first? No. Exactly. So I don't, I don't feel like that. I, that's a very uh, elementary way to do it, but if we go back to the playground, that's how we did it. And I got you and I are were the coaches, and we're picking our roster to play. And I look, I go, eh, I picked Tatum pretty high, but he's not first, not second. So, 
Not three, not, not four. Three, not four, not five. All right, question number two. Question two. The Lakers and Warriors are currently behind the Kings. <laughs> Which of those teams scare you the most? I hate to say it. It's the Warriors, I guess. They did beat the Kings last year. I know it's a new year, but I saw it. I saw what they did, what they crafted, and some of the elements that they used to, I won't even say neutralize, because I think it's also getting overplayed a little bit. Like, Sapona still had a good series. He didn't have a dominant series, didn't have the best series, but it wasn't like he was out there doing absolutely nothing. But Looney's still there. Draymond's still there. Some of the pieces, and obviously Steph Curry is still there. So some of the pieces that they found a way to, and they did it on the road. Like they, a lot of things were against the Warriors, and not a lot. A few things were against the Warriors in that series. And Kings jumped out 2-0, so they had to win 4-5. Uh, Kings saved the season one game six, coming home to play game seven. Steph scored 50. Um, obviously, if they met up with the Kings, they would play better in the second half, and they've been playing better lately. So I would say them, and it has to go along the same lines, Chris. I thought like if the Kings beat the Warriors last year, I think they would have beaten the Lakers. Now I have no way to prove it. I had a few Laker fans like you, you, you don't know that. I said no, I don't. But if I was predicting, I think they would have. They it, looked bad last year in the, the playoffs. The Lakers, yeah, yeah, and then they still made the conference finals. Like I think the Kings might have made the conference finals had they beat the Warriors because I think they would have beat the Lakers again. No way to prove that. I don't think they would have won the championship. I had said. I thought they could beat the Lakers if they had played Phoenix or Denver. I think it would have ended there. But how great would that have been? Now, none of that happened. So kind of on the same line of thinking, yeah, LeBron would be a problem, AD and all that. But the Kings have, I think, generally played the Lakers better than they've played the Warriors. They still have two more matchups with the Lakers, and maybe my mind will be changed after that. But given the option, I guess I'm more afraid of the Warriors than the Lakers. Do you have one for you that's more troublesome of the two? Uh, the Lakers. Oh, it's the Lakers. So why the Lakers? Because in the words of Charles Barkley, the Warriors are cooked. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, question three. Question three. On this date in 1980 was the miracle on ice when the United States defeated Russia 4-3 and would later go on to win the gold medal. Many consider that the greatest sporting event of all time. Where would you rank it? I mean, again, now we're going back to rankings on the list near the top. I do remember it not very well, but I do remember it. Um, and I, I get the scope of it. I pay my taxes. What it meant. Um, I was. Um, I remember the Lake Placid games. I remember in the street uh, where I grew up with other kids out there. We were pretending to be I was pretending to be a speed skater, Eric Hyden went on to be King's uh, team doctor and the Monarchs team doctor, which was pretty cool to talk to him later. But people were skating in the streets like that. That was a a thing that I do remember. Uh, but in the hockey team, I remember when they won. Um, I don't remember the gold medal game. I probably would have ended up watching that if they had had this historic win in the basically the semis to beat Russia. Um, but I think it's the scope of it. And maybe over time, it's, it's built up even more. But I don't know that you can make one event – the greatest of all time. I mean, I guess it's if you're making lists, you got to put something top. But Chris, for someone you you weren't around, like, can you do you allow yourself to put that as something that high of something you didn't see um, or weren't around for? No, 
Yeah, that's a little bit of a tough one for me. I mean, it was around. Remember it vaguely, but it's just I like to include things that I've I've been a part of or been around. Doesn't mean that's the the exact way to do it, but that's the way I do things more more so. And then, are you going? Is it so big because it was such an upset? Probably. So then, are you thinking like biggest upset? Yeah. Does that make it different than greatest event? I mean, I think there's the the. You know the patriotism could, of it. I was just going to say the Patriots and the uh, the Rams. That's significant. I mean, there's so many different things though, but it's like that's the United States, so now it's country. It's you're rooting for these amateurs at the time too. I mean, the, it's great. It's amazing. I think Al Michaels' call is iconic. Um, but man, 1980, that long ago, this date, that's pretty cool. And I don't know that we could. Is there anything else nowadays that could cause that kind of upset feel here in the states like what was the you'll you'll know this better i know that story was really big a few years ago and forgive me for i'm not remembering this the soccer team that was like the one of the biggest upsets ever um lester city or something oh yeah yeah yeah. so what was the relevance of that like why was that so amazing they were like five thousand to one odds of winning they just they just got promoted a couple years before they just like avoided getting relegated the year before, and so they got in, and then they just got hot. And like, not even like they won it with games to go. They just like ran away with it. Yeah. It wasn't even close. And have they done anything since? <laughs> They're in uh, Dave's league now. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. So, a cop in the NBA or NFL or baseball, what would that be? I mean, nobody's relegated, but. Of, like, that change to... What they did, yeah. Hmm. I mean, would it have been, like, the Kings last year winning it and then going back and being bad for 17 years again or something? Like, Uh, winning it it out of nowhere. Okay. But that was still pretty significant. Yeah. But I don't know if we could have something here in the States like that again, like Team USA had. I don't know. Like, I would think it would be, like, it would be the World Cup. It would be, like, the The United States beating Argentina in the World Cup or Brazil. It would be... United States beating Brazil in the semifinals. Because what's the farthest the, the men's group has made now? Is the, the 16 they've made? They made it to the in 2002. They made it to the quarterfinals. Okay. And the women have won, and then this last time been upset. But yeah, huh? Well, iconic moment. Certainly one of the best in sports history uh, on this date in 1980. All right, still to come on the show. Let's talk about some business with Kelly Brothers. Sports business with Kelly. Good That's business. Coming your way next on Sacktown Sports. Joining us now on SportsSense, certified financial planner Kelly Brothers. Kelly is an advisor with CapTrust, one of the nation's largest registered investment advisors. CapTrust counts among its clients numerous pro athletes and pro sports franchises, but most importantly serves many Northern Californians through comprehensive financial planning. Here's Kelly Brothers. That's right. It's that time. Sports business with Kelly Brothers joining us here on the show. Jason Ross here with you. Kelly Brothers. I told the story earlier this uh, week, Kelly, running into you on the Strand in Manhattan Beach. What are the what were the odds of that this last weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for me to run into uh, who did I run into? Uh, Zach Efron, uh, Glenn, <laughs> but you were the biggest celebrity I ran oh, into, Jason. How so about I, that? I, uh, 
Uh, no, you know what's funny is that little Airbnb. I guess Zach Efron lived there for a few years, which it, made my daughter very happy to be. Uh, oh, there. I bet! So, wow, that's wild. Um, it was it was kind of wild. It was great to see you and your son there, Jason. It was a beautiful weekend uh, to be on the coast. That's yes, for sure. everything go well with the family weekend down there. It couldn't have been better. Couldn't have yeah. been better. My daughter loves it down there, and uh, and it's great to. You know, the great thing about getting a place on the beach is the kids want to come to you. It's exactly. not like you're saying, what are we going to do today? They're saying, let's just go and hang out at the beach. Yeah. So it's, you know, to me, I'm not a huge L.A. fan, but that whole, you know, Manhattan, Hermosa Beach yeah. area, that doesn't feel like L.A. to me. No, it it's that. feels like the beach. Yeah, that one is uh, is tough to beat. Well, Kelly, here in the sports business, I know for years, once the Kings kind of were deciding to stay, ultimately get Golden One Center, a brand new, shiny, beautiful building. It's lived beyond expectations. The thought was, hey, then now they've got this new arena. Generally, the NBA rewards teams. They get an all-star game. We'd always heard about, well, not enough hotels, and can they do this? Now it sounds like it might even be more difficult for the Kings to host an all-star game. What's the latest on that? Yeah, well, they keep uh, the NBA keeps kind of changing the metrics for what it takes to get an all-star game. But I started wondering about it mainly because – I mean, let's face it, Indy is Sacramento in yep. the middle of the country. It, it really is. It's, um, uh, it's a nice, it's, it's a very nice city. It's, um, and it, they've done very well to attract sports business there, especially through the NCAA. Um, of course, they have an NFL team as well. That makes a big difference. Uh, but so I, I, you know, just I looked into it and the requirements for hosting an all-star weekend for the NBA are 7,200 hotel rooms with a minimum of three five-star hotels. Okay. Uh, so we're out there. Uh, Sacramento has about 4,000 hotel rooms within three miles of downtown, about 6,200 overall. I mean, that includes Auburn Boulevard. I mean, that's that's every <laughs> hotel room in the place. Um, and we still don't come up to the 7,250. As far as I know, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone, I don't think we have a five-star oh. hotel in Sacramento. Okay. I think I think they're all four stars. I mean, you got some really good four star hotels, but you don't have any five stars. Uh, the convention center they want must have six hundred fifty thousand square feet. Uh, our convention center has four hundred thousand total. If you take every little square foot in the place, we're still short on the convention center space. And then they also want you to have seventy five nonstop domestic flights and twenty international flights. We'd probably hit the domestic number, but not the international one. So. We're still coming up short. I also looked up, just in case you were wondering, uh, you know, Sacramento with 4,000 hotel rooms within three miles. Vegas has 150,000 hotel rooms wow. in their downtown area. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, so in other words, I don't think we're close to getting one yet. It's not a matter of, I guess if they built, you know, three five-star hotels <laughs> downtown with uh, maybe, but that's obviously not in the cards. So I don't, th- I think we're, we're barking up a yeah. unrealistic tree to think we're going to get an all-star game anytime soon. And it's too bad. I think the the other boxes that aren't on that list, as far as uh, when California, the weather, you never know. I mean, we might have rain, but it probably would be good. And then, you know, uh, fan base and support. Like, I think we would check those boxes, you know, 10 times over, but those other ones the leagues wants is uh, looks like Sacramento short. Yeah, you're thinking why do they need 7200 hotel rooms? Well, because 
you know, I don't think the fan base matters as much, Jason. I just don't know how many local people actually go to the game. True. Most of the people going to the All-Star game are coming from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's the way they want it, and, and that's fine. And if the game is as bad as last week's game, <laughs> who cares if we get it or not, really? Yeah. Uh, what can you especially tell us? Since, especially since you left off Demonis Sabonis. I know. Still True crime. rankles everyone, but yeah, that's absolutely. the way it goes. Uh, Kelly, what can you tell us about this uh, Apple um, app, the sports app they've got going? Yeah, this was real interesting this week. They, uh, Apple uh, came out with a new sports app. It's it's free. It's available to you now. Uh, look in your, your news app, your Apple news app, and you'll find a direct link to it, or you can go on the App Store. Um, it looks like it does scores really well, although we haven't had any scores since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it... First of all, it kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, Apple doesn't have a sports app. They have a weather app. They have a financial app. They have a news app. They did not have uh, – uh, they have a map app. Uh, huh. But they uh, now they have a sports app. And, of course, this is not just about getting you your scores, Jason, because you can get that on any number of different apps. This is about Apple's desire to be more involved in sports and the fact that they have now you know, purchased their way into Major League Baseball, into the MLS – think Lionel Messi mm-hmm. with Apple Plus. Uh, you know, we know they bid on the NFL. They didn't get it. We know they want to bid on the NBA as that contract comes due here in the next year or so. But this will be the link through which you're going to get a lot of Apple sports. And they want to be a major player. And they will be because they have exceptionally deep pockets and uh, with a lot of cash. And so if Tim Cook wants to get a property, he will get a property. It's amazing how this revolution just I mean our transformation of you know the phones we're all we're all connected so well to them but I mean the fact that we can watch highlights games anything just on our phone we don't need to be in front of a television if you have a laptop or a computer or an iPad or whatever it might be I mean we can get all this stuff anywhere anytime it truly is amazing the access we we can now get now you have to pay for some of this but it's still pretty amazing that we get this It it is and uh and the price is going up. The yeah. price is going up because sports is valuable because there's very few things that people will not sit through advertisements anymore, Jason. They don't have to. They can they can click forward. They can, you know, uh, pull it off a streaming service where they don't have to watch the ads. Live sports is it. Even news is diminishing in that regard. Mm-hmm. But live sports is where people have to sit through the ads. And in the case of the Super Bowl, look forward to the ads. Yeah. So that's why it's so valuable, plus the fact that you have these very deep-pocketed bidders now on sporting events that you did not have in the game five years ago. I'm talking about Amazon and Apple, especially. Yeah. So, you know, Amazon, I mean, um, yeah, Amazon just, uh, I think they plopped down $150 million for a playoff game in the NFL next year. That was up like almost 40% over what they paid this year. So the prices are going up. And the Apples and the Amazons of this world are willing uh, to pay it. And that's why you just saw that huge consortium put together last week uh, with Disney and Warner Brothers. And I think it was three or four different companies because they have to come together or they won't be able to compete against the Apples and the Amazons. And and God help us if NVIDIA gets involved because NVIDIA is blowing the doors off of everyone today. That's a great story itself, Jason. A lot of people don't realize that was started in a Denny's in East San Jose in 93. Wow. Three electrical engineers getting together, seeing the coming graphics revolution. 
they started to build chips no one else could build that Intel still can't build. Um, and now, I mean, just to give you an idea, today, that stock has added $250 billion in market cap, the most ever in one day for any stock. And uh, it's all because of AI, obviously. Mm -hmm. And if, you're, if you want to get into AI, you probably need an NVIDIA chip. <laughs> but if they get into sports, look out. I don't think they will. Well, and the people that are trying to get into sports, which makes sense, are going for the piece of the pie where that money is. Like you said, like whether it's uh, – you talked about Apple and Messi, the Messi effect. But it could be uh, things like uh, college football's new playoff format. You know people, Kelly, are going to want to get into that pool and try to grab from those games and, and how that sport continues to grow. I mean, they're following the money, but if they could do it, I mean, everybody wants a piece of, of the sports pie right now. Yeah, and to give you an idea on Messi, their uh, their second season just kicked off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, he only made 14 appearances last year, but Inter Miami's valuation has gone from 600 million last year to 1.03 billion this year. Wow! So Inter Miami is now more valuable than a lot of Premier League clubs. They just signed a naming rights deal with J.P. Morgan Chase. They just did a worldwide preseason tour. They stopped in Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong, and Japan. Um, and they're going to do, I mean, in 2022, Inter-Miami did a little over $50 million in revenue. They're projected to do over $200 million in revenue this year. So, man, uh, he, oh, by the way, he also pushed 110,000 people into the MLS season pass sign-up as well. So, uh, you know, Messi is an absolute game changer uh, in a way that I don't think we've ever seen any single athlete change the fortunes of one team. And by the way, he has an option to own part of Miami as well. So um, he's, he's getting compensated for it, which is, which we knew he would. Man, it, it, you know, we were talking earlier this week about people like Caitlin Clark, what her value is to Iowa. Uh, we were talking earlier, Kelly, about a Charlie Woods, son of Tiger Woods, who's trying to compete to get into a PGA event. I mean, if you can get a hold of some of these rising stars, it's just such a financial boom for, for your company. It is another. You mentioned uh, college football. I think uh, I'm seeing a lot of chatter. Um, you know, college football does not have a commissioner, right? And um, I think there's a lot of people thinking a guy like Nick Saban would be a good college football commissioner. That because he is starting to speak out about the problems in college football and the complete farce of calling these players student athletes, right? Um, and college football needs a commissioner who looks out for the sport as opposed to looking out for their individual institution. Um, because the money that's going to be thrown around this playoff is monstrous and it could get really warped if you don't have someone there who is there to save the sport and not to just make money for their own school or their own athletic department. Because right now the commissioner of college football seems to be Jimmy Sexton, who is the agent to all of the SEC coaches and a bunch of other coaches as well. Um, and But I think NFL, I mean, uh, college football needs a commissioner. And Nick, you could do a lot worse than Nick Saban, a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, so connected. He gets it, obviously respected. There's cachet there. I, I like that name. I like that connection. If that's something he wants to do and get off college game day. But I think he's going to be good there too, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he will. I, I think uh, I, I want to see uh, – you know what's interesting about that? I Kirk Herbstreet, uh, he's some people like him, some people don't, but you have to love the way Kirk Herbstreet takes care of Lee Corso. Yes. I mean, he, yes. he, he's, like, he's like a son who is there to protect him, to show him at his very best self. Uh, you know, he's, um, 
I hate to say it, he's he's kind of Biden esque. Yeah. Corso is in the way, and and you know, but 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 he's not. He doesn't have the nuclear codes at his side, but yes. he, he's uh, uh, just I headgear. Obviously, he's up there in age, and uh, it's great to see. So I, I'll be interesting to see how they work him in, where they work him in. You know, they want to work in Pat McAfee for obvious reasons, although he rankles some people. But I got to admit, I love that show. I love waking up on a Saturday morning in the fall and turning on that show. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Always have, always will. Well, Kelly, we always appreciate your time. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. Where are you going this weekend? Where should I go, Jason? I got to bump into you. Again. You know, it's Not like sure it's a, it's a mystery. I don't want it to be predictable. Like you know, we didn't see it coming last week. <laughs> Sounds good, Jason. Great to see you. Have a good show. All right, Take thank care. you. Appreciate it. That's Kelly Brothers, Captra Sports Business. We always appreciate his time, his insight, and again, follow the money. It's always important there to do so in sports. When we come back, where do the Kings rank on contenders list in the NBA as we push for the postseason? We've got that story and more straight ahead. morning to get your sports fix live and local the carmichael dave show with jason ross carmichael dave back next week thanks again to kelly brothers for joining us talking sports business in our last segment coming up we're going to visit with sam amick from the athletic our weekly visit with sam plenty to discuss with him including uh what we're going to discuss now uh the nba second portion of the schedule beginning tonight and from espn.com kevin pelton who has covered the league for a long time gave his list of the NBA contenders. I said this earlier. I think we're really in for a good finish to the season for the MVP race, the playoff race, playoff positioning. And so according to Kevin, he put his list of people that, you know, when you're talking about NBA title contenders, he had in tier one the favorite and just left not – it's not favorites, it's the favorite. And it's probably based on record, based on offense, defense, experience, talent. Uh, roster, coaching, all of that, the Boston Celtics. I have no issue with that. Boston has to, this group still has to prove it, but Boston's made the finals before, came up short a year ago, but made the finals two years ago, lost to the Warriors there. They've been a good team, just trying to break through for a couple of years. I, when they made their moves in the offseason, I thought before they got Drew Holiday, when they got just Porzingis first, I thought, boy, I think they're going to miss Marcus Smart. But I think adding Drew Holiday helped round that out. Drew Holiday, Derek White with Brown and Tatum, Porzingis, Al Horford, that top six is lethal. Really good. I I do question their bench depth, but that's about it. I mean, everybody, no, no roster is perfect. Boston, though, is really good. 12 losses, that's it. 43 and 12 on pace for to have the one seed, to have control, to have basically destiny in their hands. So having them as the favorite, no issue with that. Tier 2 calls it the inner circle contenders. There's only three teams on this list, but kind of that next group right below Boston. He labels the Denver Nuggets, which they're the defending champs, currently in fourth and on a three-game losing streak, though I'm not that concerned about that. My concern would be for Denver a little bit like Boston. That starting five, as good as it gets. They complement each other. I think Jokic is still the best plus-minus in the league. That starting five is probably the best plus-minus in the league, along with Boston. But once you start to get a little deeper into the bench, the minutes without Jokic, um, it changes, though, in the playoffs. You play your starters more. 
you can protect them a little bit more with longer breaks and, and breaks between games. But um, losing just a few veterans in the offseason, Jeff Green, uh, Bruce Brown, I think thins them out a little bit. So like any team, if they get injuries, I would change it. But uh, again, got to put a little respect on the defending champs in this inner circle contenders. They also have the Los Angeles Clippers, who I believe, if right, are very, very good. And they've been right for a long time now. The funny thing is the Clippers do not want to face the Nuggets. That's a matchup so far we've seen a couple times with the Clippers constructed as they are. There are matchups that they win, but the one they just can't handle is the Joker because the Clippers generally play, well, not all the time, and now they've got a little bit more height with Plumley back and more weapons, Zubats, Plumley, Tice that they can throw at the Joker, but he is kind of a superhero, and so that's that would be a fun matchup, but they put the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Bucks as that second tier of teams as the inner circle contenders. Milwaukee's got to get themselves together here. They've not played well since they made the coaching change, and there's time. It's a very good team. Kings still face them one more time. That'll be at G1C. Tier three, he calls the hopefuls. And on this list, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams, as these are kind of in that hopeful group of contenders, including... The Cleveland Cavaliers are currently been playing great basketball, the second seed in the East, and let's see, the third best record overall, fourth best record overall in the league. The Timberwolves, who have the best record in the West. The Thunder, the 76ers, the Suns, and the Knicks. Of that group, I think the Cavs are very intriguing. I think the Knicks are a team to really watch out for. I really do. This is the first time I've kind of believed in the Knicks in a while. They have... The DNA of Tom Thibodeau, which can be bad to some people's belief, but in this case, the way Brunson plays, the way they play at home, if Randall can come back to full health, what they added in Burks and Bogdanovich, to go with just what they already have in, in DiVincenzo and Hart. It's just it's a well-constructed team that does legitimately play defense, but also scores. They're a good combination of offense and defense. They've got a lot of different ways to beat you. I think the Knicks are a legit threat. The Suns, I think, can be, though I don't love their overall depth. Philly, I'm not believing unless Embiid comes back and even to what extent. And I think the the T-Wolves and the Thunder are interesting. I, I don't know if he's putting them there based on just what their record is now because they also have to check that very important box of, which is what the Kings had to go through last year. Are you ready? Can you Are you experienced enough? And a lot of times you don't just get there and then get all the way to the finals or win a title. That's very, very rare, and I don't see that happening with the T-Wolves or the Thunder, but they have had great seasons, and maybe that opinion will change as the year goes along. The last tier are the long shots. So we haven't mentioned the Kings yet. The long shots in his tier. One, two, three, four, five teams on this list. The Mavericks, the Heat, the Pelicans, the Warriors, and the Lakers. So the two teams with the best record that he doesn't have included on any of his lists are the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers. And I think in his write-up, some of the concern about the Kings was um, their scoring differential, which I think is a lot of people's indicator of whether or not you're where you are in contention. The Kings are at just plus 0.5. So that's... How much are you winning by? How much do you lose by? And the Kings have had a couple of blowout losses that have hurt that number. But they used to be negative, so that number has shifted more so in favor 
of the Kings and could still move. I mean, that to me isn't the full indicator. Um, I could see some red flags for the Kings, but I can also see some things of what they went through, how they're seasoned, how it's the same group, too. You could look at that as a negative, but you could also look at that as a positive. I just find it interesting that they're not in the long shot list, and I feel like the Lakers and Warriors are there because of what? You've seen them do it before? That's probably why. They're further down in the standings. I think the Pelicans might be a little bit more dangerous than he's even given credit for. Uh, Dallas, I think if Kyrie and Luka are right and have I, – I, I don't love that roster overall. I think the upgrades will help. But um, the point is that that's a pretty decent amount of list of people that I think could cause enough problems in either conference. And that's what makes it good. That's what makes it competitive. And that's what makes, I think, the second portion – I don't even know what we're calling it – the post-All-Star break – portion of the schedule very very intriguing and that's something we're going to discuss with sam amick are we in a good position here in the mvp race in this post all-star break portion of the schedule and how can sam fix the uh all-star game <laughs> we'll discuss all of that and more when we come back here as we visit with our weekly guest with sam amick from the athletic that is straight ahead here on sackdown sports 